Hey, Story Family. Welcome to the Story at Home. This is your host, Giovanna Huffman. For the next eight weeks, we're asking members of the Story community to tell us their favorite Bible story and how that story inspired them to follow Jesus. Let's get started with today's episode. What is up, Story Family? My name is Dylan Braddock, and I serve as the Story Student Coordinator. Welcome to another edition of the Story at Home podcast. I am so excited to dive into scripture with you, whether you are in your car, at work, washing dishes, or going for a run. I'm glad you're here. The mission of this season of the Story at Home is to fall more in love with our Bibles through telling some of our favorite stories. Today, we are going to check out the story of Jesus and the faith of the Roman centurion, a story which explores one of my favorite themes in Scripture. You can go ahead and flip your Bibles to Matthew 8, 5-13 if you'd like, but let me set up the scene. In this story, we read about Jesus entering the city with his disciples and possibly a crowd at his back following his Sermon on the Mount. And here walks up a Roman centurion, which is a military commander of around 80 soldiers. To this crowd, the centurion is an enemy, an outsider, not just any ordinary outsider or enemy, but a hated one who has forcibly occupied their lands, collected taxes, and serves a puppet ruler. When this centurion approaches, you can imagine the potent mix of fear and hatred likely overcoming the crowd. What is this man going to do? Then the centurion speaks and says his servant is paralyzed and suffering and he needs Jesus' help. At this moment, some of the more zealous members of the crowd might have perked up. A Roman soldier asking a Jewish rabbi for help? In their head, they probably hoped Jesus would reject the centurion's request, showing him who's boss. This could be the first act of Jesus' armed rebellion against Rome, but we know that wasn't Jesus' mission. He wasn't trying to establish a military campaign or earthly throne. Jesus' mission was one of grace that leads to repentance, life-changing faith, and being healed. Let's pick up with Matthew 8, verse 7, with Jesus' response to this centurion's request. Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, Go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Today, I want to discuss two ways this passage really speaks to me. And the first one that you cannot miss that we read just now is the faith of this man. I respect how seriously he takes his sin because often I need to be more like him and understand and repent for my brokenness more fully. But as importantly, the centurion knows Jesus' power and grace and authority is greater. This centurion understands authority. Just like his word commands men and his regiment, 
He knows Jesus' spoken word has power over sickness, the elements, death, and sin. I mean, we see this all over scripture, right? In Genesis 1, God speaks and calls our universe into existence out of nothing. And in the Gospels, when Jesus speaks, he heals people, casts out demons, stops storms, and raises the dead, all by the power of his spoken word. The Roman centurion understands this. He understands the authority and power of word. And this same word of God and power is still living and active today among us. But do we possess this kind of bold faith? Do we believe that God can still heal and do miracles in our midst, even though he isn't physically by our side? Man, this story challenges me to ditch my doubt and to expect more of God's movement today. Well, well, let's pick up with verse 10 and see what happens next. When Jesus heard this, when he hears this man's word, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. The second way this story really speaks to me revolves around Jesus' reaction to the centurion. Scripture says that Jesus was amazed by this man's faith. Not impressed or happy or giving him a gold star or high five, but amazed. There is only one other time in the Gospels where Jesus is amazed, and it was actually in a negative light due to the lack of faith of those in his hometown of Nazareth in Mark 6.6. But here, Jesus is amazed because of an outsider's belief. Isn't that just insane? He was amazed at the Jews' lack of faith, and here he is amazed at this Roman's incredible faith. Jesus goes further and says he has not found anyone in Israel with this type of faith, and that includes those in his hometown, his family, and even his disciples. Just imagine this scene. The crowd is already confused that Jesus helped their literal enemy, and this foreign occupying force. And now Jesus is saying that this Roman soldier will be at the heavenly feast sitting right next to their patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Under Jewish customs, Jews and Gentiles couldn't even sit and eat meals together. But in Jesus's vision of eternity, this Roman soldier will be at the same table as Abraham. Isn't that crazy? In fact, it gets crazier because this extends to all of us. We will all be at that heavenly feast with Father Abraham. Jesus says, many will come from the east and the west and all will dine together. Then it gets even more apocalyptic and uncomfortable. While this Roman is at the feast, 
these Jewish people will be kicked out into the darkness where there will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. What the heck, Jesus? This is radical imagery, but Jesus was using it to make a point. You see, the people of Israel believed that because they were descendants of Abraham, they were automatically invited to the feast. They were automatically in just because of who their ancestors were. But here, Jesus is seeming to offer a warning. He doesn't say they won't be invited, but he does emphasize that it will be different than they expect. And this is the reason I love this story so much. Because it's uncomfortable. But it provides me a vision of eternity that is better than what I can imagine. Everyone is invited to the feast, and we will likely be seated across from someone we don't expect to be there. Let me try to bring this home. The Pew Research Center has done a vast amount of research on our world and its religions. They released a study in 2010 that analyzed the distribution of Christians around the world. In 1910, 81% of the world's Christians lived in Europe or North America. In 100 years, from 1910 to 2010, that number dropped from 81% to 38%. The good news here is that decline isn't just because of the numbers in Europe and North America are shrinking, but because our faith is exploding in other parts of the world. If we fast forward another 30 years, Pew projects that in 2050, 51% of Christians will live in sub-Saharan Africa and Asia. This means that the people at the feast won't look like German Martin Luther or English Charles Wesley or even American you and me. We are part of a global church, y'all. And in his reflection on this Bible study, theologian Edward Schweizer states, The warning in this story may be especially urgent in an age when Africans and Asians in the community of Jesus may well be called to show the Christian Europe what the Christian life is really like. This means that over the next 30 years, as Europe and America become more secularized, we will need to look towards our sisters and brothers overseas as they help teach us what it means to be faithful Christ followers. You see, we as Americans often identify with the Hebrews in our Bible stories and assume we epitomize what it means to be a good Christian. We are the bold centurion who has faith that amazes Jesus. When the reality is, we are probably more like the Jews in this story, who think they have it made because of who we are or where we come from. And Jesus is saying to us, look out, you might be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. This might make you uncomfortable, just like this miracle made the crowd uncomfortable. But the lesson here is that the kingdom of heaven is far wider than we usually think. And all are invited to the heavenly feast. And who knows who we will be sitting across from. Today, this text challenges me to expand my view of Christianity outside of my American and denominational bubble and to appreciate how God is moving and performing miracles all around us and all around the world. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Remember, the church isn't just a building we go to. It's a family 
we belong to. I hope to see you soon.